Hey, Moving Forward listeners, I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about my new books. If you've been following the podcast, you'll know that I helped bring my dad's business into the 21st century with Poshmark. I've documented everything we've done so you can start a business right from your closet or expand an existing business with an effective e-commerce solution, even if you don't have a large marketing budget or social media following. The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses is now available in paperback and for Kindle. You can also find the Poshmark Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses with worksheets to help you manage your inventory and negotiate effectively and confidently on the platform. Both titles are available on Amazon, where you can find quick access links at bemovingforward.com or in my link tree, which is in the show notes for today's episode. Start learning and moving forward today. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 217. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Part one. So last week, it was uh, Thursday, I believe, uh, I participated in a Twitter chat for the series Cobra Kai. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with it, Cobra Kai is a, a series that aired last year, and it's a continuation of the 1980s film The Karate Kid. And it's really, really well done. And uh, in fact, I wrote an article about Cobra Kai um, a couple months ago. And it's actually, I think, to this day, it is still my most read article on LinkedIn. So what's interesting, and if you've never done a Twitter chat before, essentially it's a designated hour or it's a designated period that's focused on a a particular topic that's led by a hashtag. So I've participated in Twitter chats for the Winnie Sun community and I had her on the podcast uh, about two years ago and she does a great weekly uh, Twitter chat using the hashtag Winnie Sun. But Cobra Kai announced that they were doing an event and uh, it was to really build up the hype and tease out its upcoming second season. And uh, so essentially the way it works is that you follow the Cobra Kai uh, uh, hashtag and during that hour, the uh, official Twitter account for Cobra Kai series, they I didn't know what they were going to do, but what they did was they turned it into a basically a trivia round. So they asked four questions. That was it. It was four questions. And uh, the, the first person to answer that question uh, one basically part of a graphic. And when all four pieces were uh, put together, it would reveal a, a poster. Uh, and uh, it was really well done. So I give them props. They really, really teased it out. So four questions over a period of, uh, I think, an hour and a half. The first question came out. I think it was, the first question was, what year was the tournament that Johnny and Daniel fought in? And it was 1984. And everyone was chiming in with their responses for that. And then uh, <laughs> you could see people were getting excited, but also impatient. And what I really noticed, what I observed in addition to participating, I was multitasking. I actually had the uh, browser up uh, for Twitter, but I was also doing other things. So I was keeping an eye on it and people were were commenting, oh, I keep hitting refresh, keep hitting refresh. Come on, guys. And, and there were some people who were actually getting a little, a little impatient. And what was brilliant about Cobra Kai's uh, social media strategy is that they set the pace. They built up the suspense. They knew that people were itching for the next question, but they were not letting that impatience uh, dictate to them. In other words, they weren't being reactive. They were being very proactive. 
And and I liken this, and I'll use a martial arts pun. They they were doing they were basically doing judo for social media. I mean, Twitter is very frenetic. It, it really cultivates uh, an instantaneous response. It's all about now, and people aren't very patient on it. But Cobra Kai leveraged that to really build up the hype. And I actually uh, won round three. And uh, I got one of the puzzle pieces. So it was really cool. They really, really timed it beautifully. They really built it up nicely. And then the reveal was a poster with the air date for the uh, for the next uh, season, which, by the way, is April 24th. And if you haven't watched Cobra Kai, I'm going to give a shameless plug for it. It's on YouTube uh, Premium. You can sign up for a free trial, binge watch the entire uh, first season, and then the second season comes out April 24th. So hats off to Cobra Kai, and congratulations on all of your great success. All right, let's go to part two. We're going to continue our discussion with Poshmark. And speaking of marketing, I want to share with you a killer marketing tactic that I stumbled onto purely by accident. So if you're new to the podcast, I do recommend uh, start out with episode 202 if you want to listen to the beginning of our Poshmark journey. But I work with my dad once a week, and he has a retail shop. And because he's got so many clothes and so many different items that we list on Poshmark, the way it works is that he's got a big show floor. And we we have a he has a large number of mannequins. And then he and his staff, they'll dress up a lot of these mannequins with the listings. And every week we try to list anywhere between 10 to 30 items. And typically what we'll do is we'll do a rotation. So he'll uh, he'll bring up one of the mannequins with one of the outfits. I'll do the photos and then create the listing. But a lot of the other items in waiting are in the background. Now, we it's not something we did intentionally. It's just it made it more efficient. It made it easier to go from one outfit to the next to really efficiently create listings. Inevitably, though, what happened was as we're creating listings and as the uh, other items are displayed in the back, people would start asking about specific items in the background. And so people would find uh, one of our listings and they would say, hey, I'm interested in that outfit in the back, or I'm interested in that one uh, over on the side. And sometimes we would have them listed up, and I'd be able to share that particular item. I'd have to find it first, and then I'd share it to that person where I'd tag them on it. Other times, it might be an item that we had planned on listing but had not yet gotten around to. And that was actually a market indicator for us that, hey, maybe we need to uh, prioritize this one and put this one up. And then there were situations where uh, we hadn't even considered listing it. And and my dad would make the decision whether or not he wants to list this particular item on Poshmark or not. And it, this actually led to sales. We actually got sales from this. So uh, just from the fact that people would see an item in the background, it wasn't even part of the main listing or intentionally part of the main listing. And then we're, we were able to, you know, if someone asked about it, we were either able to share that listing if we had it listed or create a listing for it. And that actually was a great way to open up sales. All right. Uh, for your homework for this week, think about how you want to integrate this tactic if you are starting your Poshmark store. Especially if you don't have that many items to begin with, maybe, uh, you know, have your central item and then the other items uh, on display somehow in the background. If you don't have a lot of mannequins, I mean, you may want to use hangers. If you have mannequins, great. Or if you have friends who are going to model for you or who can help you out, 
to wear some of those outfits in the back. It could be a great strategy for you to employ. Uh, if you want to check out the write-up for this episode, bemovingforward.com. All right, let's go to part three. A book that I um, recently read uh, and I give it a solid three stars is Saturday by Ian McEwan. It's not a, a book that a type of book that I normally read, but a funny story, I actually was on a date and uh, we stopped into a used bookstore and she said to me, you know what, this is actually one of my favorite books and and I'm going to buy it for you. And it was it was really sweet. It was a very sweet gift. And uh, I, I uh, read it pretty quickly. It's a very quick read. It's a it's a book that's based. Uh, it's a novel that's set in the early 2000s, a little bit after September 11th. So that's one of the looming themes throughout the book. But it, it takes place over one day. And it's about a London-based surgeon who starts out his morning. He looks out the window. He sees an incoming plane that he thinks is going to crash. And that sets a whole set of events throughout this one particular day. And, and part of it is him interacting with his family members, the dynamics between him and his son, his daughter, his wife. And then there's another event that occurs uh, around the middle of the book that also uh, sparks some other events. He gets into a car accident with someone who's uh, kind of a shady character, and uh, that's another plot line. And then, of course, there are other uh, stories that are woven into his day at the hospital. Really, really, I I thought it was a solid book. It's really uh, intriguing. I enjoyed it. You really get to see uh, all the events from his point of view. And again, it, it's, it cleverly starts uh, at the beginning, at the, very early in the morning, and then the entire novel is set throughout just one day. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, again, I, I did have some issues with the way the plot was interwoven, but the writing kept me intrigued and it moves really quickly. I'll be back with another book next week. Have a great week. And remember, always be moving forward.